Welcome to the Moms of Triathlon podcast. I'm Amy Henderson, pro triathlete and competitive cyclist and mother of two to Oliver, who is three and a half, and Margo, who is 18 months old. And I'm Allie Wilson, former college swimmer turned triathlete and full-time stay-at-home mom to my 22-month-old daughter, Beth, and currently 25 weeks pregnant with baby number two. This week, we'll be talking about what biking is like during pregnancy, including how long we each biked, what types of workouts we did, and some adjustments we made to our bike positioning. So Amy, what's been going on with you this week? Well, this week has been a huge one in our household because we finally, finally, finally got up the courage, set aside the time, and did potty training for Oliver. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I feel like, I feel very proud because you recently, Allie, had a big toddler transition that went really well as you transitioned Beth to the toddler bed. And I feel like this potty training transition for us went pretty much as smooth as your bed transition. And I'm like, wow, I did it. I've been putting this off only for like a couple years. (laughs) (laughs) I have been so afraid of potty training. And oh my gosh, like... You know, okay, we are about one week out from when we started, so it's still early, but it went pretty well. That's good. What are your, like, what kind of potty training method or, like, what are you doing? Because I know there's a couple different, like, things out there that people recommend to do for potty training. Yeah, so we followed essentially... What I've heard of from the book Oh Crap, which is one of the big <laughs> recommended books these I think days. I have that one. Yeah, <laughs> I read that one honestly like a couple years ago. It was recommended to me by a by my sister in law, and and then of course I'm like, okay, putting it off, putting it off. And and the theory behind that one is, you take three days uninterrupted. You stay home. You do not leave the house. The kiddo starts out with no pants on at all so that they are learning to connect the feeling of like needing to pee and then peeing, you know, basically having an accident. They're connecting that with like, oh, right before that, I felt like I needed to pee. And then they learn to get to the potty. And so you are supposed to be watching them like a hawk, learning their cues of like, do they do a little dance? Do they like... (laughs) twitch their toe you know (laughs) you're supposed to like figure out their cues and then learn that so you can see it and get them to the potty and then they can you know learn over time how to do it themselves and and then phase two which is often like day two is they can wear pants but no underwear phase three is that you can take little outings so maybe you know you go out for like a walk around the block and it's just learning how to like leave the house and and then i don't know they're done like i don't know if they're It's not really that they're potty trained in three days, but it's like those three days set the foundation going forward. So I have seriously been so nervous about this for years. And we considered, should we potty train before Margot's born? And then I just heard so much about kids having regressions once baby number two is there. So I was like, I don't want to have to redo it. So I'm just going to wait. And you know us, like this theme comes up again and again in our parenting. (laughs) If things are working, like we would rather just not do anything. Yeah, I I definitely understand that. (laughs) And what really encouraged us to get going is like we right now are actually – we're looking at pre-Ks for Ollie to start in next year. And 
obviously, if he's a four-year-old starting pre-K, he is going to have to be potty trained. Like, yeah. that's a requirement. <laughs> so, and so finally, like, I stopped putting it off. I had a recovery week. I also was advertised on Instagram, like, an online potty training class, which I suddenly, you know, bought, watched the videos. It was from Big Little Feelings, which is, you know, a good Instagram account. I think we've talked about before that, you know, they have some good tips on their on their page. Um, so I bought their their online class and realized that it actually was the same method as the Oh Crap book. But honestly, like... A, it's really helpful to hear these things over and over and sort of understand the mindset because it's not just follow these instructions. It's like a mindset in my my in my opinion of how to do the potty training. So it's very much like, you know, you need to stay calm. You need to be committed and and think about it as we are teaching them a skill. It's like teaching the ABCs. You just repeat it you know, over and over. And it's not, you know, if they mess up, that's not a big deal. It's like, oh, no, I'm just going to like teach you the correct way. And you just keep practicing. And the thing that's really interesting with potty training, right, is that it's not like the ABCs because you can't just go to the potty over and over and over in a row. <laughs> you have to wait for the opportunities to present themselves. So that was the first thing I was sort of noticed on the first day was, and they tell you, oh, give them a lot of juice, like stock the house with good liquids that they're going to want to drink, popsicles, watermelon, all this stuff so that they have to pee more than usual. But it is one of those things where like they pee, they have an accident, and then you just have to keep waiting for the next time and hope that they learned. And you don't know. And it could be 30 minutes and it could be an hour and it could be 90 minutes and you just like keep checking. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Um, but really what I was surprised with is that and we'd actually honestly tried this one other time like months ago we did the no you know no pants and we were trying to do it and we just we didn't have we weren't committed we didn't have the mindset we were you know got into bribing territory much too quickly we hadn't prepared ollie in the right ways and it lasted only a few hours right so this time I was like, I set aside these three days. It was a recovery week. We are actually going on vacation in a couple of weeks. So it's like, we need to do this at least a few weeks before vacation. And the other thing is, it was his three and a half birthday. And I'm not one to celebrate half birthdays, but <laughs> if it is an excuse to convince my child that he no longer is allowed to wear diapers, then yeah, you better believe I'm celebrating a half birthday. That's funny. <laughs> so basically, and that's what it, what it was in my head, you know, same with how we had to like wean him off of the binky. It's like cold turkey. Like we woke up this morning and we don't wear diapers anymore. We wear nighttime undies, which are pull-ups because, you know, nighttime potty training is is a different thing. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of their body just learning it. Right. Um, and but aside from that, like we don't wear diapers anymore. And honestly, that morning, Ollie was crying, wanting a diaper put back on him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He was like, I need my diaper. I need it. You know, and Nick's uh. like going out the door to work like, oh, <laughs> That sounds very different than my child, who every opportunity she gets, like, takes her diaper off and runs around the house going, Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. <laughs> so, I'm like, I feel like if that's the method we end up using with Beth, which 
I think we might try potty training somewhat soon. Um, hopefully, maybe before baby's here. But I feel like she's going to be totally on board with with running around naked for yes. a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I think, you know, once they're three and a half, the difficulty with potty training is they have much stronger opinions, right? So, like, if Ollie were rebelling and choosing not to wear a diaper when we wanted him to, he would probably be happy as a clam. But when it's like, no, you're not allowed to wear a diaper, now suddenly a diaper is the most important thing ever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I've heard, too, like, with kids that are, like, beyond three. What I've heard is that under two and over three are, like, kind of the hard, Mm -hmm. you know, more challenging times to potty train, especially over because they're very set in their ways and they don't understand why they suddenly have to change what they've been doing their whole life, like they understand like why, you know, why are you making me do this all of a sudden? So I've read that is like one of the challenges for older kids. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's why it was really helpful to have that three and a half mark, because at least we could point to like, hey, this is a date on the calendar where you changed (laughs) and now you're three and a half. And so, you know, just blame it on that. Um, So yeah, that definitely was helpful. And, and honestly, yeah, it, like I said, it went pretty well. You know, we definitely had accidents over time. I think the thing that was really holding me back was fear of accidents all over the house and just like Mm -hmm. having pee everywhere. Like I was freaked out. You were mentioning (laughs) that to me. You're like, I don't know how we do this and keep them on the hardwood floor and off the blah, blah, blah. And like, so how did that end up like going? I mean, was that? Yeah. I mean, basically... You know, for one, like one place that the kids sit on a lot is we have what's called a nugget. It's like a little, you know, cushiony kid couch that can be made into forts and stuff like that. And that, you know, it's foam and then it has like a zipped cover that's not waterproof. Um, So we unzipped the one that's on the top that's sort of like the kid's couch. And I was like, Nick, put we have like puppy pads that we've used for travel, disposable change pads. So, you know, we don't have a dog, but we've just take them when we travel so we can like toss them. And and so we put those under this zip thing. So at least if he had an accent there, it wasn't going to like go in the foam and be a big deal. And then I just, you know, read up on it and it's like, oh, you know, I don't know. Pee is not the worst thing, right? <laughs> Poop, another story. But you can clean up most things, right? So it's yeah. just like having a, a plan for cleaning. and And a lot of times, I mean, really for Ollie, like... After his first accident, he was really good. And yes, he would have small accidents, but then he would he was able to stop, notice, and get to the potty. Oh, so good. it didn't end up like there was pee every like a lot of pee everywhere. It was like, oh, there's a little bit, and like we can address it. You know, Margo on the other hand. So we did take this. Margo was only 18 months, right? And we were like, and they tell you sort of the window is like 20 months to 30 months. For when they advertise this method. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, she's only two months behind and she's a second child. So that must give her an extra month or two. Right. <laughs> and, you know, they say, oh, they should be able to communicate and stuff like this. And I was like, Margo, you know, like she's pretty good at communicating now. And yeah, she definitely had accidents all over the house. And yeah, she thinks it's fun to like sit on the potty and like yeah. maybe we'll pee in it if it's the right <laughs> moment. But yeah, exactly. she's not she's not there. <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny. Beth, definitely. We haven't done formal potty training with her. We have a potty just so she's familiar with it. And nine times out of 10, if we get her out of the bath and we put her on the potty, she'll go. So like she knows wow. how to do it. But it's always right after a bath. She's warm. 
And we kind of started to realize that'd be good timing because before we got her potty, she would get out of the bath and then sprint down the hallway before we could get a diaper on her and then pee on the floor. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, when she did that, she'd pee on the floor. And so we're like, well, she likes peeing after her bath. So yeah, that's I know I used to always have Ollie sit on the potty before a bath because, you know, he would always pee in the bath. And so I was like, oh, we know that he's going to have to pee. So let's do it right before. And that was a, a way that he sort of got acclimated also. Did you guys do like the small potty or did you do the like toilet seat thing? Insert. Yeah, we have a small potty and I did at one point buy an insert that never felt stable or like really good. I'm sure it's somewhere in the house. Um, But I've ordered another one that's like um, a travel insert that, you know, folds up into four, like Mm -hmm. folds up twice. So, yeah, yeah, so we'll see how that works because I am a little I mean. We're about to go on a week-long vacation, so I am a little bit nervous about that. Um, for the flight, we wear, you know, travel undies, which, again, are going to be pull-ups. Mm-hmm. So we'll have those as backup. But really, yeah, getting back into, like, the mindset, like, I was so nervous leading up to it. And, oh, how's it going to go? And what's going to happen? And then when it started, honestly, all my nerves went away. And I was like, this is not a big deal because... Ollie doesn't wear diapers anymore. So whatever. Like, that's just the fact. And <laughs> and he will figure it out eventually. And I don't know how long it will take him. And I can't control that. But he doesn't wear diapers. And so he needs to learn. And he doesn't like peeing on his leg. He's not going to like pooping in his pants. And that happened a couple times. And so that is incentive enough. And it's a thing they said in the course that's so helpful is it's just like, you know, feeding, eating and going to the bathroom are two things that we as parents cannot control. You cannot force your child to eat something. You cannot force them to go to the bathroom. Those are like body things that we literally cannot control. And so knowing, like recognizing that really releases that like desire to control or try to, you know, do something to manipulate it because really you just have to let it be. And so one of the big things is on, you know, you're supposed to have a three-day window where you don't really go out and do stuff. And on the third day for dinner, we were having a family birthday party, going to someone else's house for this party. And I was like, I don't know if we'll be able to go. It's still in our three-day window. We might, you know, I might just have to be sitting at home watching Holly like a hawk. Like, I don't know. And then in the end, it's like, you know what? Like, I mean, he was doing pretty well by that point. So that was good. But then it was also like, we will get in the car and, you know, even if he pees in his car seat, like he's actually done that. We've had a a leak of his diaper when we drove to the coast once. So, you know, like that's happened. It's not that big of a deal. I've heard those puppy pads on the car seat is a really good way to go if you're early potty training, because then you're not putting him in a pull up or anything and you're still like protecting your car seat. Yeah, yeah. I know. I was definitely considering that, too. Um, Of course, in the actual course, they say it is not safe to put anything in the car seat because, you know, they can't endorse that. So that's (laughs) that's why I'm like, yeah, yeah. But, you know, just to say that. And yeah, I mean, it was totally fine. I think he did actually have an accident at the birthday party. And you know what? It's like we know, obviously, just like we used to bring diapers everywhere. We bring extra pants, right? And also, especially, you know, if it's you're obviously at a friend's house or family's house or whatever, like they understand, hey, we're potty training, like (laughs) heads up, sorry. 
Exactly. And so, and another thing I'll say that really helped me was that, so day two was phase two where we put on the pants and no underwear, which you stay in that, I mean, for a pretty long time. Like there's, there's no defined date when you would start having them wear underwear. And the concept behind that is underwear feels sort of like a diaper. So they think mm. they can go to the bathroom. Oh, okay. Um, so just wearing loose pants and there's no need to wear underwear really. So, yeah. um, you know, just wear the loose pants and then eventually they can, once they really have the hang of it, like start wearing underwear. And so, and one of the things that is discouraging is on day two, you actually, we felt this and they warned me about this in the course is you sort of feel like you lost progress because they actually do sort of go backwards um, and just have more accidents than what they were at the end of day one. And and then actually there was a time when Ollie was after his first accident in his pants. He was like, I don't want to wear pants. I want to you know be without pants. So we mm. went back to that a little bit. But then by the end of the day, he was wearing pants and comfortable. And yeah. And now, honestly, like he hasn't been having accidents. And the big news is today he finally pooped in the potty. Yay! Which oh, is like, exciting. I know it sounds silly, but that is a big step in potty training because yeah. it's just really uncomfortable. It's very new. You really have to like release and relax, you know? And and so, yeah, we've had two accidents in his pants and then also two days where he, like, didn't poop at all. So, anyway, I don't need to go into all the details, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, luckily, yeah, yeah we, we made it through. And now, like, he's really proud, too, when he was telling us about it, you know, after the day um, when Nick was home from work and everything. Like, he's he's proud and he's happy. So That's, that's exciting. That's really cool. You're definitely giving me a lot of confidence because, you know, kind of like I was saying, we're, we're not really sure what we want to do because... Because with baby's going to be here two months after Beth's second birthday. So, you know, that's going to be a big transition. We just transitioned her out of her crib. And so, you know, you were saying, and I've heard too, that it's really hard to potty train once you have, you know, a new baby. And so we're kind of like, do we just, do we just like go ahead and just knock it out and just do it? Because, you know, even if she regresses, then we're at least kind of at a starting point where, you know, everything I've read about that is that if they regress, the actual potty training will still be like a little bit faster again, like the second time around. So, you know, like, what do we do? And so we were kind of talking about it. And honestly, just listening to you talk gives me a lot of confidence that, okay, maybe the beginning of March. So in a couple of weeks, maybe we'll just go ahead and just rip the bandaid off and just try to do it and see how it goes. Because she has done very very well with her new bed situation and like you know other than last week it really you know and that was i think related to my anxiety we're back on track with not a lot of issues at bedtime or nap time and i think we're in a really good position there so could be good timing yeah definitely and oh my gosh like it's interesting to imagine how how much easier it would have been not having to change double diapers the last year and a half. I know. Well, that was <laughs> always really my nice. thing is like, yeah. I don't want two kids in diapers. Like, I want my kids like just far enough apart. But then it's like, well, now they're like just close enough where it could be hit or miss. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely I'm encouraged that with Margot, we won't wait as long. Now I'm not afraid. Like, <laughs> I'm so afraid. Well, and it could also be like, you know, um, 
she's got Big Brother to like see like this is what Ollie does and yeah, you're most yeah. definitely so yeah. that could be a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. And I think even that one day of her sort of being in on the potty training, like in a f- in a few months, whenever we decide to try, I think it'll it'll go pretty fast. So very cool. Yeah. And it'll be a diaper free household. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, to you know, finish up our week here after all the the potty training you know, success. Um, Unfortunately, the kids have a little cold right now. And it's just like, it is, I'm calling it like, the sad cold. Because each of them when they've been at their peak, Ollie was like sick first. And so he had, you know, a couple days where he was just so sad. And like in the morning, we were downstairs, you know, and he's just crying and i'm like oh you know i'm sorry you're sad or whatever i'm saying he's like i'm not sad and then he would say like what he wanted and stuff and so like emotion like mentally he was like i'm not sad but he was just crying about everything (laughs) it was so like heartbreaking to see and then margo now oh like the happiest little baby ever she has just been so sad and just crying so much and i'm like Oh, it just, yeah, just breaks your heart when <laughs> you, like... That's tough. Yeah, try to hold her and, like, make her feel better. And, oh, man, it's been hard. So, hopefully, I think this was, like, her second day now of of it being really bad. So, hopefully, tomorrow is better and we're past the deep sadness. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh, poor, yeah. poor kiddos. Yeah. How has your week been? Yeah, so we've had a pretty good week. Uh, We went to the birthday party of one of our friends, kiddos, who just turned three. And it was a lot of fun. It was kind of the first little kid birthday party we've been to. We really didn't know anybody. I didn't know, like, the age of the kids that were going to be there. And they had it at their house. And so... We show up and I actually got this super cute picture of Beth. She's like carrying a little gift in Aww. and <laughs> she's like walking in. But she was seemed to be the youngest one. Other was like a five month old. But of the like walking <laughs> yeah. children, she seemed to yeah. be the youngest one. And, you know, she hasn't played in a ton of like big groups of kids. And so it was actually pretty funny. Um, at one point, um, you know, our friend got this big bag of just air-filled balloons out, not helium. And they were doing this game of, like, keepy-uppy. So it was, like, keep yeah. balloons off the ground. And so she like, didn't, she, like, didn't know what to do, right? So these, <laughs> all these slightly older kids are, like, running around. They know what's going on. And Beth is just, like, a little bit overwhelmed. And she goes and she kind of, like, grabs a balloon. And I got this little video of her. And she just starts hopping in place And it was just really funny to like watch her kind of interact because she had also found they have like a little dollhouse and um, she found this dollhouse and it was like off a little bit in the corner and she kind of dialed in on it and was super happy to just play with this dollhouse while everybody else was over in the living room. (laughs) And so then she'd kind of like come out from where the dollhouse was and she'd go play with the kids and then she'd grab her balloon and she'd walk back to the dollhouse (laughs) Like, uh, enough of this socializing nonsense. I'm going to go play over here. So it was a lot of fun to just, like, see that 
And at one point it was really cute when they were doing cupcakes. They had kind of a bench next, like on the side of the table was bench instead of chairs. And we, I'd just been changing her diaper and everyone had already gotten up to get cupcakes. And so I kind of walked back with her and I set her down next to the table. And there's this tiny, like this tiny little corner on the bench next to one of the older girls that's there. And she just like sneaks under like oh. whoever is on either side of her, you know, and she climbs up on this corner like she barely fits. <laughs> and it was just so cute. She just scooched up there all by herself and like sat down and grabbed a cupcake And it was just so cute. I got a really cute picture of her. You can tell she's like so much smaller than everybody else. Okay, I'm going to send you a photo because she's just mowing on this cupcake. And it's I think it's super cute. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. She's just like sitting there. I love it. There's yeah, like four big kids surrounding her. And she's like barely her head like (laughs) barely comes over the table. And her face is in the cupcake, like (laughs) full on frosting face, ready. (laughs) I know. Oh, that's so brave that she like snuck in there. I know. We were like super proud of how, you know, how she was for the whole, the whole thing. Again, especially like with older kids and not spending a ton of time, like with big groups of kids like that. Like she did pretty good, we think. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so good. I know Ollie, like at that age. (laughs) He would be probably sitting in the corner like, I want to leave now. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for us to go. I've had enough. That's awesome. So, yeah. And so she's seen our friend's daughter like a few times and it was really cute. Like she got there and we're like, oh, you know, it's her birthday. She goes up and gives her a hug. And and that was the only kid that she did that to at the party, I think. And so it was kind of like, you know, maybe she is familiar, recognizes her and stuff like that. So that was really cool. As far as pregnancy updates, I am 25 weeks this week. Uh, One of the things that we had or that I'd noticed going on a couple days ago, I was swimming on Sunday and we had a little bit of a longer swim. Um, I've kind of been getting a little bit in the morning. If I'm laying quietly in bed, I've noticed kind of this like dull ache in my low back for the last like week or so. And it's kind of felt like period cramps a little bit, but like not not so bad, really, really mild, but enough that I'm noticing it. And I didn't remember anything like this when I was pregnant with Beth. That particular morning, I definitely noticed them and I went swimming and I felt like I was getting a ton of Braxton Hicks like while I was swimming. Like I could just kind of feel this like hard basketball in my abdomen. Oh. It was happening like over and over again. And it did actually happen during the 10K swim that I did um, and more on like the second half of it. And I really much attributed that to just kind of getting dehydrated, body fatigue, muscle fatigue. But this wasn't like, I wasn't that fatigued. Um, I was kind of thinking maybe I'm dehydrated, like it'll probably go away. And I remember one of the things you and I have talked about with that kind of stuff is if you stop your workout and it doesn't go away, that's kind of when it's maybe like, hey, I should pay a little more attention to this. Right. And so at the end of the 10K, it completely went away right after. Like, finished swimming, totally gone, drank a bunch of water, we were good. And this weekend, it just kind of didn't. And it felt like if I was moving too fast, like, they just kind of kept popping up. And they were popping up all morning. And 
even after I got home and I was trying to drink a bunch of water and I just kind of kept noticing this. And one of the other things with this pregnancy is that I've been getting a ton of kicks straight down. Mm-hmm. And that's been like kind of uncomfortable because mm-hmm. with Beth, like they were all like at the belly and this mm-hmm. has been on the bladder, like mm-hmm. right in my <laughs> cervix. It's kind of uncomfortable. I'm kind of thinking like babies in this weird position. So I'm like, maybe this dull ache is from just like getting kicked in like weird mm-hmm. positions or whatever. But then I'm having all this tightness. And so I'm just like, you know, it's catching my attention enough. I talked to my mom about it. She's like, you should just call. Like always, if there's right. any question, just call. So my yeah. first thought was like, well, I'll call Monday morning because I know if I call on a Sunday, I'm going to talk to like the on-call nurse. They're going to have to call so-and-so and so-and-so and ask a bunch of questions. And I'm probably going to get sent up to labor and delivery. And I'm like, I don't really want to get sent up to labor and delivery today. So talking to my mom, they kind of didn't go away. So I did call. That whole process is exactly how I expected. I was sent up to labor and delivery. And they were super, super great. They basically just hooked me up to the monitor, like looking at baby movement, baby heartbeat, seeing if I was getting any contractions, no contractions, because obviously now I'm relaxed, reclined, laying down, (laughs) super hydrated. So it didn't happen at all. But what I started to realize while we were there is that I think with how kind of mentally stressful the whole first half of this pregnancy has been, like, sure, we got the all clear at 19 weeks. Like, hey, everything that we thought might have been going on isn't going on. There's no problems. This is a perfectly healthy pregnancy. There's nothing wrong with your cervix. And I think I I felt very out of the clear in that. But all of a sudden, this one little thing happens. And it really just sent me in this, like, tailspin of what if something is actually wrong? Like, is baby okay? And I think I've been so on edge for so long that just little, this little thing just really set me off so much more than I thought it would. And I mean, it's really stressful when one of the issues with the pregnancy was this concern of the funneling of the cervix. Mm -hmm. Because I know you texted me and you were saying like, when you were mentioning the dull back pain and you were saying it's a sign of preterm labor. And sure enough, like you Google and yeah, it is. Because my first thought, I think when I heard that was, oh, well, I don't, I mean, I have dull back pain sometimes too, right? Mm -hmm. But there is a different feel, right? Like, I know what you mean, that, like, yeah, that period cramp type of pain. And when you're pregnant and you're feeling that and you didn't feel that in a prior pregnancy, and then you Google it and it says sign of preterm labor, like... Yeah, especially when you've already kind of had a stressful 19 weeks. And so... So yeah, I I definitely was trying not to freak out about it, but we get in there and they're like, you're not contracting, baby's totally fine, you know, everything really does look good. But because they kind of kept losing her on the monitor because Mm -hmm. she's so little for those little, like, you know, labor and delivery monitors that they put in your belly, they pulled out the ultrasound really quick just to like make sure, you know, figure out where her positioning is. And she is, in fact, head up. So she's dancing on my bladder (laughs) and with Beth, I only experienced those hits to the bladder like 35, 36, 38 weeks and later, like (laughs) I didn't deal with those at all. And so I'll just be like sitting watching TV and I'm just like hanging out and it's like, oh, (laughs) almost beat my pants. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that's kind of been an interesting experience. But yeah, it was definitely like, I don't know, it just kind of adds to the whole stress of everything we already dealt with and, and realizing that I thought I was kind of moved past it and really just not quite. And I'm such a worrier anyways. So yeah. like, <laughs> you know, just one of those things, any questions, call your doctor. And that's what we did. And they said that was the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> still hoping for a smooth rest of the pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> Boring. Yeah. <laughs> Boring. So, and since this one is going to be a C-section, like it doesn't necessarily matter that she's head up at this point. Oh, such a good point. That's mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah. The, and they said, yeah, positioning doesn't matter, but they'd still probably do like a positioning C-section because even like you know, the last couple weeks before Beth was born, like they would do the positioning ultrasound to to make sure she was head down. Yeah. And so I think they basically said that they would do that anyways, because I think maybe it could help with the actual procedure or whatever. So I, I don't really necessarily know if it changes mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, let's get into our main topic this week. For the next few months while I'm pregnant, we wanted to do a three-part series on each of the three sports of triathlon and what they looked like for each of us during pregnancy. This week, we're going to talk about biking. Amy, can you give us a little background on what biking looked like for you during your pregnancies? For my pregnancies, I biked throughout the pregnancy. I basically, that was essentially the last sport I did for each of them. I think I tried to bike like the day before I was induced for both of my pregnancies And the big thing for me was that my doctor, one of the things that she was pretty adamant about was basically switching to the stationary bike at 20 weeks when, you know, she was saying baby comes up and is less protected, you know, by your hips. And that was her strong recommendation. And we can get into that a little more in a little bit, but that was very difficult for me to sort of, that was a difficult pill to swallow, but that's what I did choose to do. Uh, what was biking like in your pregnancy? Your, well, your, your, your 1.5 <laughs> pregnancies. Well, I remember you told me that you, you know, stopped biking at 20 weeks. And also I think it kind of depends too on like where you line up seasonally, right? So you yeah. were around 20 weeks in the spring when, like, yeah. you know, biking season's picking up. And with both of my pregnancies, I knew I was going to be getting into, you know, worse weather. And so with my first pregnancy, I know I've talked about I had a subchronic hemorrhage. So I was told to stop biking outside at basically seven weeks. And that was really hard because that was the beginning of September. Mm. It, like, I was all set to do fall riding and lease ride mm-hmm. for like another like couple of months or yeah. like weeks anyways. So that was a bummer. Um, so I got pulled off of that. The reason they didn't want me biking outside was because if I crashed, like not like a baby size thing, but an impact with the subchorionic hemorrhage that I had. Basically, she said that could be really bad. And then, I see. And so were you allowed to bike inside at that time? Yeah. And that was like tough too, because I didn't really know. I didn't necessarily understand what I should be avoiding. And so, yeah, they said inside's totally fine. You know, I just needed to avoid impact and I see. heavy lifting, but they're like heart rate ups, like all this stuff's totally fine. But obviously then you're kind of like gun shy, right? I was really worried and and backed way off, um, you know, at least for a couple weeks until I was able to have a clear understanding of what was going on. And then with my second pregnancy, my plan was to go 
you know, I'm going to the 20 weeks or whatever, but I think I did my last ride outside at eight weeks just because we were mid-October and then it rained <laughs> for the next like yeah. two months. So that was just, that was easy to just stop on that one. How late into your pregnancies or your first pregnancy? <laughs> well, I actually did a pretty good job of like staying motivated and like consistently doing workouts. And I did, I basically biked up towards the end, but we moved in my mm. third trimester. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the priority with my energy was packing and then um, our actual move week, we basically were in and out of power because there was like a big storm and I'd already packed all my bike stuff up. So like I didn't that whole week. And then that really knocked me back. Like once you miss a week of doing something that late in your pregnancy, yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. so hard to get going again. So I don't know the last actual date, but like the last few rides were, they were just kind of spinning the legs out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you said it was kind of difficult to make the decision to switch to inside. How was your kind of thought process on that? Yeah, it was honestly, one of the reasons it was so hard is one very specific person who I had raced, you know, in Ironmans before. She she also turned pro a little bit before me. And seeing her on Instagram with these beautiful photos of her with her belly on the bike on, you know, beautiful Californian roads and also seeing like Michelle Vesterby. And so basically seeing pros out there riding on their bikes on the road throughout pregnancy, I thought, okay, well, that's normal and you can do that and it's no problem. And and like I said, my doctor was pretty adamant. And so, I mean, she even at one point, I think talked about like wearing a seatbelt as a metaphor that she referenced. Wait, what do you mean wearing a seatbelt? Basically saying like, well, of course you're going to wear a seatbelt, right? Like saying, essentially likening it to a very basic safety thing that everyone should do. Without even thinking about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. To her, with her, you know, knowledge and experience as an OBGYN, it felt like a very easy cut and dry decision 20 weeks, you don't bike outside. Hmm. And I'm seeing all these people who are biking outside who are pro triathletes or just, you know, high level triathletes who I look up to. Right. And and so I was really grappling with it. And I mean, I was Googling about, you know, I I was looking for whatever information I could get. I even I know I read an article that just happened to be written by a doctor who works at OHSU here in Portland talk about why they stopped biking, you know, at at 20 weeks. And so that sort of gave me a little more information. Um, Another thing that was really interesting is that we had a group training camp that might have been when I was like 22 weeks pregnant or something. So it was just after. And we had a group of friends going to Bend to, yeah, to swim and bike and run and do just a fun try training camp. And so I'm like, well, can I just do it? You know, it's only two weeks. Two like, more how weeks. different yeah. can it be? Oh, you know? Man. So by the time that camp came, I'd made the decision not to bike outside. But when it did come, I, you know, I still took my bike and trainer. And so I was like biking on the trainer inside. And Nick was coming up like a day later to the camp. And I even almost asked him, like, hey, I should just, you know, the roads here, there's so few cars, like it seems pretty safe. I think it's going to be fine. Maybe you should just bring my bike up. I'd only brought like my TT bike for the trainer. So I was Uh like, bring up my other bike. And then 
they went on on a ride and it was super windy and gusty. And I was like, nope, not riding on the road, like not risking that. Well, that helps a little bit. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So at least that helps make that decision. But basically, when I, you know, thought and thought and thought about it, like I just had to, number one, recognize that we, as much as we like to think we can control if we're going to crash on a bike, we can't. Yeah, absolutely. Cars can hit you. Wind, a gust of wind. I mean, someone in your tire explode randomly one time. Like, yeah, things happen. Exactly. And so, and so then the next question is, how am I going to feel if something happens? Especially if you've already been told by your doctor, hey, I don't recommend this. Yeah, and I exactly. Like, not only how am I going to feel personally, but how am I going to feel with like Nick here? You know, I mean. The family, I mean, that's a lot, honestly. And I'm not saying that, you know, women have to take on that burden and I'm I'm not. I'm just saying for me, that was my thought process. And it was like, OK, I can do this. I'm going to feel better about it. And, you know, and I felt good about that decision. And one thing, honestly, that made it a little bit difficult is my boss at the time, actually, he was so surprised to hear that I wasn't going to bike outside, you know, and he said, oh, well, you know, in your second pregnancy, you will. And for me, that was like (laughs) the worst thing to hear because I have always had this feeling of like, I want to be like a second time mom with my first kid. I want to be chill. I want to be calm. I don't want to be like stressed, you know, like Uh that's always been one of my goals, which (laughs) now that I have a second kid, I'm like, oh, that's what that's what it really means. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's funny because that implies that, again, it's one of those things where it's like not cut and dry and it's being overly cautious. And I've always, I've never wanted to be an overly cautious person. It's like, I so much want to avoid being overly cautious that I'm like, maybe not quite cautious enough. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I have, you know, the second pregnancy, I didn't question it. I, I probably stopped biking outside even earlier. And as we'll get into, that was in my first pregnancy, I got re- that's when I got really into Zwift. And so it was harder making the switch from road to indoors before that. But that's when I got like my really nice, you know, smart trainer. And and so that changed everything right now. Now we're all so used to riding indoors. It's it's a little different. I think also going into the second pregnancy, you've kind of been through the process before. And I personally feel as though I've been able to like roll with the punches a little bit more as far as, you know, not being on the trainer, you know, I'm not, I'm not running. I haven't been running in a while. I'm mm-hmm. a little more accepting of these changes I'm going through. And I think with the first one, like I held myself to this high standard of I'm going to, I was training for a century ride. I was wanting to do, you know, a sprint triathlon in the fall. Like I was going to do all these things. And I think, especially as somebody, when you're really motivated and you want to be the mom that does everything or the the pregnant athlete that does everything, Mm -hmm. when you have that rug pulled out from under you, whether it's because there's a medical issue or whether it's just because at 20 weeks you're told you should stop biking, like it's kind of really startling. And I think we've kind of talked before about it's sometimes really hard to accept the changes 
that you're going through and how you're feeling when you don't have that big baby belly. Yeah. Like, if you don't feel like you look super pregnant, you're like, well, why do I have to act pregnant? Like, you can't even tell, you know? (laughs) Yeah, so true. So for you, what type of actual workouts did you do during your pregnancy? And did that did those actual workouts look different than the type of workouts you did before pregnancy and the variety or was it more just like changing the effort of like the FTP With my first pregnancy I was still working with a coach until basically the end of second trimester and so I was doing more or less similar structured workouts and I was just dropping my FTP kind of manually as I went through it and then by the end of second trimester I just kind of stopped doing that. And I kind of just kept started doing free rides. Um, I started doing some of the rides that if you don't know exist, they are um, on Zwift and they're called baby on board and they're specific bike workouts. I don't remember how many there are. I think there's quite a few and they're all like 30 to 40, 45 minutes or so. And they're geared mm-hmm. towards, you know, women who are training during pregnancy. And I love it because some of the words come up and they're like, you know, remember to drink your water and, you know, (laughs) don't overdo it. Like if you need to like ease off, you totally can listen to your body. And so they give you those cues and stuff, which is really helpful. Um, And so that was the first one. This time around, it's just been a lot more like getting on the bike when I can, trying to do it twice a week. I'm doing a lot of free riding. I did like the, um, the Tour de Zwift just, you know, to get motivated and just stay motivated and really, really asking less of myself. Yeah, I also really enjoyed doing the baby on board workouts. And it's nice, you know, they're it's it's interesting, right? Because like you say, I don't think there's any that's more than like 45 minutes. So if you want something longer, that's where it's a little. Yeah, I looked at them like last week and I was like, I want to bike more than 40 minutes. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, they, they were fun and interesting and good variety. And yeah, with workouts like I don't know. I, I what I really liked with my doctor's instructions for training during pregnancy, there was no I mean, honestly, the instructions for biking were basically don't bike so hard that you're making yourself like puke, basically. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that's anything. <laughs> that's like a common sense thing, hopefully. And that is to say, just don't be going like totally all out balls to the wall effort but it's fine to go and do like anaerobic stuff and like harder efforts and and so for me during pregnancy I was I think that first pregnancy yeah just getting into Zwift so doing a lot more free riding and honestly like again using Zwift for the first time is so fun because you're like, ooh, I get to race people who are next to me and like there's someone in front of me and I can just try to chase them down. Like, so I was just enjoying that. And I would, I wouldn't, I would join some events, um, you know, some like little races and that type of thing. And I was working with a coach for a while, but again, yeah, similar to you, just, I don't know, doing whatever workouts I felt like. Um, my second pregnancy, I at that point had joined a Zwift team and was planning on doing, you know, the Zwift Racing League uh, Tuesday night series that they do throughout the fall and spring. And so for that, it was very difficult to be having to get on the scale each week and increase my weight, honestly. Even though I knew that it was like 
it was so frustrating knowing that my weight was going up, but also my ability to like push watts was going down. Yeah. It's like normally I feel like the whole concept is, oh, when your weight is higher, like you can do higher watts. And so you're, you know, the ratio is the same. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so frustrating knowing that I have to like push this baby bump like up the climbs and no one else has that (laughs) i remember you telling me yeah you said something about like i want to put on my name that i'm like 26 weeks pregnant or something so everybody knows i'm not just getting slower whatever it was oh my gosh i know i wanted to do that so bad on like all my rides or especially when i was like i don't know riding with guys and like beating them (laughs) (laughs) like i wanted to say that i'm pregnant yeah Yeah, but I definitely enjoyed being able to still get on and race. And, you know, I was talking to a friend today and he was pointing out how great Zwift is for, you know, he had a bike accident and we would all as a friend community, like come together and Zwift and be on Discord and be chit chatting, but all be able to ride together and everyone can go their own pace. And so same with pregnancy, right? You can still find that community and like ride with your friends virtually and be able to keep up or, you know, you can do a tethered ride or just, you know, matter if you separate because you're in Zwift. And so that is really, I think, a very cool tool that we have now. Yeah, it helps you feel more included versus like, (laughs) I'll just be back here all pregnant and out of shape. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which and that's one of the hard parts about, for one, yeah, not getting to ride outside on your bike, but also just all of the changes in pregnancy, right? It's like a slow stepping back from, for us, one of our core communities of the people that we train with. And then, and you're stepping back because your body is changing and you can't do as much. And then you have a baby and you can't even get to stuff anymore yeah and i mean for is it a little we can get into this in the swimming episode in a few weeks but i'll be curious to know if that's different for swimming because you're in a lane but maybe your lane is changing so that's still sort of yeah i mean yeah i mean (laughs) briefly on that yeah like i'm going into different lanes but like then i'm kind of spending more time with slightly new people you know and so that's kind of fun too and um, but yeah, to that point, swimming in a pool is a different experience than biking on the road. You know, you're not, yeah. people don't have to wait for you, but you know, and then I yeah. get to socialize with people like as I'm getting there or leaving and stuff. So I don't think it has the same impact because I can still go. And even once I'm nine months pregnant and I'm just probably walking back and forth because that's all it's going to feel good <laughs> at that point, I'm still going to be able to go and see people if I go, you know, during the practice time. And that's, you, you wouldn't necessarily just show up at the start of a ride to say, have yeah, a good one. Exactly. Yeah. So I know, Allie, that you've also made some like physical adjustments to your bike during pregnancy. Is that right? Yeah. So I think when Miranda Carfrey was pregnant with her daughter, Izzy, I had seen this picture of her on Instagram where she had flipped her handlebars over. And I was like, that is genius. And so uh, I remember thinking like, that's such a great idea. Like I'm going to do that eventually because you can't get down into your, you know, comfortably get down into your handlebars. And with, I don't remember how many weeks long I was with the first pregnancy, but yeah, I flipped them over and then it just gives you something to lean on. So you can still lean forward, but you have more space for your belly. Cause I was trying to come up with different 
things because what I found was that I was so uncomfortable leaning forward. I was mm-hmm. sitting up a ton and then my yeah. tailbone was really hurting. Oh, yeah. And so that's when it's like you if you can kind of maintain your normal position, then you're, you know, you're going to be able to engage your legs more appropriately or like how you use how you're used to doing. Um, and just, you know, you can shift. I mean, so your, your handlebars are like, your shifters are pointed straight up. And so you do have to like, get used to shifting. But didn't you do that with your second pregnancy? No, I don't think so. I know we talked about it, but I can't remember. I'm gonna have to look if I have any photos of doing that. Or was it maybe you stayed on your TT bike and just like rode on the arm? Yeah, so that's what I did for my first pregnancy. I was on my TT bike. And exactly. I was able to basically rest my hands on the arm pads and it was more comfortable. Like I was more upright. So I actually found that having my TT bike instead of my road bike was surprisingly more comfortable during that oh, pregnancy. Interesting. Yeah. And then also I know I didn't use this either, but you loaned me a a seat, like a potential oh, yeah. I didn't softer use seat. Either. Yeah, I thought that would be good because of like the position changing and I, yeah, I didn't work for me. I just stuck with my regular one. Yeah, but you know, it's it's something to consider if people are, like you're saying, as you're sitting up more, maybe, you know, you have your, your sit bones are sitting differently. You could consider trying different seats. It could be helpful. Yeah, and, um, you know, hips kind of starting to shift and get sore in certain positions True. too, so... Yeah. The other thing that I remember Rinnie sharing in her first pregnancy was that she would wear Tim, her husband, bib shorts. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I do yeah. remember seeing that. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, I have some favorite bibs that I've been wearing this pregnancy. And I had them for the first one, too. But I think I've been thinking about it more of like really dialing and wearing them. They're the Giro Women's Chrono Expert Halter Bib Short. And we'll link these, but basically they're bibs, but instead of going kind of over both of your arms, they pull up. There's like a whole mesh panel on the belly and then they go over your head like a halter top. And so I have really enjoyed this just because, you know, at least for now, I can still get them over my ever-growing belly. Um, And I just feel a little bit more supported and they stay up because, and I'm not even pulling the halter piece up. I'm honestly just pulling the material to the top of my belly and then they're staying up really well. And I wore some of my other bib shorts yesterday and I just felt like they kept sliding down because they're without pulling the straps up, which now those are getting really stretched out if I do that. Like they just kept sliding. So I've really enjoyed these and I've got a couple pairs of them. Um, I liked them for other reasons too. Like if you have to go to the bathroom in the woods, you can just pull the halter off versus Uh completely, you know, undressing. And so, you know, lots of benefits to that, but that's been my go-to right now for, for, uh, bibs. Nice. Was there any particular gear that you really enjoyed like bibs or anything like that when you were pregnant on the bike? I have some bibs that definitely did not fit anymore and then some that are a little bit looser. And so I was able to make them work and sort of wear them throughout pregnancy. And I also remember wearing a lot of tri shorts. So those are nice. You know, they don't have bibs. And so they just, you know, you wear them in shorts and they're below your belly and that's fine. And there actually was a period um, not during pregnancy when I was 
having some issues with, you know, saddle pain and sensitivities. And for a little while, I was always wearing tri shorts because the thinner pad actually, when I was reading on different forums, some people said that's better for if you're having saddle issues on your trainer. So, you know, that's worth giving a try to, but uh, it was something I had that, that worked for me. Yeah. Well, those are our main tips that we have for biking during pregnancy and how we've liked making it work. As we've talked about, you know, super cool that Zwift is around now. It's a really useful tool. And especially you pair that with some of the the great ways that you can alter a bike to fit the pregnant belly better. And for both of us, really riding bikes is one of the things that was easiest to carry throughout pregnancy. If any of you have tips that you want us to share related to riding during pregnancy on the bike, please send them to us at our email, momsoftriathlon at gmail.com or send them on Instagram at momsoftriathlon and we'll share those with everyone else. And now for our closing segment, our Go Mamas of the Week. Go mama, go mama, go mama. <laughs> These can be any small triumph or thing that's making us happy. Allie, what's your positive this week? Well, after the last week or so, kind of having some stressful bedtimes with Beth um, that I know I talked about, yesterday I was putting her into bed and one of the things that we've been doing at night is like tucking in some of her animals and I've been trying to tuck her into like we have this blanket that my mom made and we recently got her just like a little teeny toddler pillow and so she'll put her head on the pillow and I'll kind of like pull the blanket up and talk about tucking her in and kiss her on the forehead and stuff. And so that's been a little bit, that was a little hit and miss last week. And then yesterday I was going to like put her into bed and leave the room. And I was like, okay, well, if you're not ready to go to bed, like you can read books, like mommy's going to go night night. And I start walking to the door and I hear tuck in. And I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) so I like go back and like you want to be tucked in and so she like puts her head on the pillow and she grabs one of her animals and like pull the blanket up and I tuck her in and it was like one of the sweetest like mama moments that I've had and oh my gosh I just my heart absolutely exploded that she was asking to be tucked into bed Oh, that's so sweet. So, yeah, that was that was a good one. What is your go mama this week, Amy? My go mama this week is is a couple of details with my my weekend ride. So, this weekend I did a local ride here in Portland that's called the Savvy Shootout and it's one of those local bike rides that, you know, every Sunday at 9 a.m. it meets at a specific spot and it's one of those local like race type ride. So it, it rides out pretty easy to Savvy's Island that we've talked about, which is a good like flat closed 20K loop. And it rides out there and then they basically race around the island like two or three times. And there's a couple spots that are like known spots for sprints. So if you want to practice your sprints, you can do them at those spots. So this is the first Savvy shootout that I've done since like 2017, I think, when I moved to Portland, because I went to a few back then. Yeah. And back then, A, I had no idea that there were supposed to be sprints or like where the sprints were. So I was dropped the, I don't know, few times that I that I attempted it. So I could not hang. And so A, this week I 
hung with the group and I could I could stay. And then B, okay, so obviously the reason that it's important to me right now to be trying to join this ride is I am trying to get back my comfort level with riding in big groups. In the past, I've done all my rides as big group rides back when I was, you know, with the collegiate tri-team. But nowadays with kids and pandemic and everything, like my comfort level riding in a group is so much lower and I'm going to need that for racing. So I go to this race and of course I'm like really nervous and like it's pretty much all guys. (laughs) And, you know, I'm just like, okay, don't do anything. Don't mess up. Like don't cross wheels. Like don't break too suddenly. Don't, you know, be predictable. Hold your line. Like all this stuff, right? Just like trying to be calm, but also be focused. And of course, the big fear for a ride like this is that there's going to be a crash, right? Because what do you do? What does that look like? If there's a crash in the Peloton, like, I mean, the biggest fear is that I cause a crash. (laughs) Second biggest fear is that there's a crash that I don't cause. And, and it's pretty rare. This group is like very safe. It's not common. My friend said it happens like once a year. (laughs) And this was the once a year that a crash happened. Apparently. I mean, we'll see how common it is. But sure enough, we're riding, we're on Savvy's, and a crash happens in front of me. People go down. You know, you're starting to see just like people down left and right, bottles on the road. And I was so proud. My Go Mama is like, I was able to basically stay upright, avoid the crash, get off to the side. Yes, I did go down, but it was because <laughs> some, someone else like came up and then they fell over and fell on top of me. And so oh I gosh. fell over because of that. But I basically, you know, I, w- I basically made it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the fall was, you know, pretty minor. I didn't, you know, I, I showed you today when we were swimming my like little red spot on my yeah. butt. <laughs> yeah, it looked more like a land spot. It was definitely not like road rash or anything. No, yeah, didn't didn't tear any clothes didn't damage the bike. So that was good. Um, everyone, you know, the people who crashed, like everyone was OK. A couple of people had to call for a pickup. And what was surprising to me is after that, I was in the group and you'd think that you might be more nervous after experiencing that. But actually, for me, it was the unknown of like, could a crash happen? What would a crash be like being in it and seeing like, oh, you know, I was able to get around it. And I don't know, it just wasn't as bad as I thought. And I I know every crash is different. And so, you know, of course, I have that in mind. But it just like once I was back in the group, I actually was less afraid. So that was kind of a neat, like, thing to experience. And then the final little bonus is that I finished the bike ride and I I rode my bike to the gym, timed it perfectly to meet up with Nick and the kids and fit in a swim with the kids. And so I just felt like the superhero mom, like, yeah, riding in. I know Nick was like, oh, we don't have to do the swim today. It's fine. Or he could have just taken Ollie and I go home and like get Margot you know, from Cass. And I was like, no, I really want to do the swim because I don't want my ride to be taking away from that family time. And it wasn't. It it totally worked out. So that was a double bonus. That's it for our show this week. Thank you to everyone for listening. We are excited to continue to share our experiences of training through pregnancy, postpartum, and with young kids. 
New episodes come out every Friday. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends. And if you have any topics that you want us to cover or any questions for us, especially if they're about training during pregnancy, please find us on Instagram at moms of triathlon or email us at moms of triathlon at gmail.com. Bye.